Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. A lot of times dads get their teeth kicked in on media and in so many ways about just kind of being a joke. And what I can say is our church is full of... uh, of guys with deep conviction and a lot of character and a lot of passion for Jesus. And I got to tell you guys, um, the decisions you make every single day is transforming generations. It's creating new legacies. It's creating a brand new system that God breathes into and he changes. I know in my life, my dad, uh, man, sorry. (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) Paul, you got me crying, man. Um, my granddad was struggled with alcohol for a long time, and um, my dad has never struggled with alcohol. And so I've never had to think twice about whether or not I needed to struggle with it. Are you with me? And so, men, you, you are cycle breakers. Uh, you give birth to new generations and new ways of seeing things. You care for your kids. You love them with your strength and with your nearness and your presence. And today I just want to say you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Keep fighting forward. You're making a difference every single day. Um, and some of you in here, this is a hard year uh, for several of our people. You've lost fathers in the past year, and we just recognize that that feels like a sting uh, in the middle of everything. Um, and so, my own wife Chrissy, her dad passed in October. I know Cammy, whose dad we were close with. Um, and so, can we just we want to pray over our dads, but also just want to pray really quickly over those who have lost parents. Uh, could we do that? And if you're close to one of those who has lost a dad, has anybody else lost a father in the room? And you would. Thank you. Soretta's here. We got Julie here. Yep, Grandpa, who was like a dad figure. Would y'all just lift your hands? Let some people surround you and put hands on you. Go ahead. Julie, will you lift your hands so people can make sure they surround you? Yeah, just put hands on folks who have lost dads in this last year. Thank you. Father, we're so thankful today for our dads. We turn our hearts to you, Lord. We thank you for the fathers that you've given us in this life to lead us and guide us, and instruct us, and watch over us. Um, And Lord, I just pray for every single dad, God, that they would feel blessing, and they would feel strength and purpose in what they're doing today, Lord God, in their families, and at home, uh, Father God, single dads, and married dads. Father, I just pray that you would give them the spirit, and power, and focus to do all that you've called them to do. And God, for those who have lost in this past year, we just thank you, Father, that you don't leave us fatherless. Lord, our hearts feel the the burden and the sting of loss and of of not having our dads close to us. But God, I pray just for a nearness of your presence this year, for a nearness today, God, that you would surround us with memories, Father God, that are good and healthy and positive memories, that you would remind us that you are always with us and that you gave us our dads for a season as a gift. And so I pray, God, that we can just celebrate the time that we've had And Lord, that you would come near in tenderness and be with those who are hurting today. Lord, we just thank you for it. We thank you for this community, that we hold one another's arms up, Lord God. And I just ask you today, Father, even for those who have lost dads, that in this room, God, you would begin to build connection and family to where men can begin to step in and to be uh, models and father figures for those who don't have. And Father, I just ask you for that, Lord, that you would seam us together. We thank you for it. Jesus be with us. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for praying over one another. Um, It's a tender thing. Hey, um, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 3. I'm really excited about what I feel like the Lord is uh, just speaking um, today. And uh, if you're a guest with us, this is Fountain City Church. We believe church is a whole lot more than what happens on Sunday mornings. Um, But it is families of missional disciples being multiplied. Um, There is something so special that when the kingdom of God starts to take shape in our lives, that we change the way that we think and the decisions we make and we live differently. We actually start to live with God's perspective about our city and, um, and different regions of our nation and different nations of our world. Some of you, the Lord is stirring a zeal for a different region of our country or a different a different country in the world. And, and it's God who's put that seed there by his spirit. And so we just want to encourage you. That's what we're all about. We're all about seeing God's kingdom spread out from here um, and being a sending place, a launching pad for that. 
And so today we're actually continuing on in a series on spiritual formation that's going to take us through the month of August. Um, and we are talking about how we grow. How many of you are tired of not growing? Anybody? Anybody tired of just coming to church week after week and never really actually growing um, or never seeing progress? How many of you still want to grow in your faith and in maturity? You want to grow in Christ. You don't just want to come and go through the routine, wash, rinse, repeat, do it again, wash, rinse, repeat. And here's the thing. God has promised that you can actually grow in him. And I want to encourage you uh, through this time as we talk about spiritual formation and how we are formed first into the image of Christ. And uh, in this section, we're talking about being formed by the Spirit. Um, I want to encourage you that growing in Christ doesn't happen in a vacuum. Uh, we are Pentecostal charismatic people. Can I get an amen? But that sometimes has meant that we think the Holy Spirit's going to sledgehammer us into transformation. And it just doesn't seem to happen. I mean, very rarely, right? <laughs> like, he can do it. It just doesn't seem to happen most of the time. Most of the time, he invites us to continue to yield to him and surrender and say yes and obey. And it's what Eugene Peterson called a long obedience in the same direction. It's continuing to say yes every single day and yielding myself to him and to what he's up to. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you in the same way that you know how to get gains when you go to the gym, Sister Rachel. In the same way that you, know how to, that you know how to get a promotion when you're at work, man, God has actually made a way for you to grow in Christ. Amen? And so I, I want us to not lose sight of that um, and realize that salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line. God's giving you a brand new beginning. Is everybody with me? Yes. Okay, cool. All right, so we're going to talk and we're going to lean in about the Holy Spirit who forms us this morning. And I feel like the Lord is already trying to give us uh, some living metaphors. What does it mean to live in God's house instead of the house of the world? What does it mean to live in this culture and not that? What has happened in salvation? Have I just made a decision to add some religious routines to my life? Or is there a change in a transformation that is so big and so unique that the way that I see life in relationships and how I make money and where I live and what I do, how has that changed because of Jesus Christ. So let's read out of John chapter 3, verse 3, and we're going to read all the way to verse 8. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're already old? asked Nicodemus. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. No one. Jesus says, no one. Can you say that? No one. No one can see or perceive or understand or experience the kingdom of God unless they are born again of the Spirit. Hear me. We do not have the capacity or the strength. We don't have the wit or the wisdom. I don't have the, the capacity in myself to see or understand how the kingdom works and how to participate in God's kingdom, God's house, apart from being born again of the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid, I had this recurring dream over and over of knowing how to fly. Anybody had a flying dream? Fantastic. Unless you keep like falling in the dream. How many of you like fall a lot? <laughs> so I would inevitably, it wasn't that I just like went to sleep and knew how to fly. I had to learn how to fly in my dreams. Almost every time I had to learn how to run straight up this mountain to the cliff. And then I would take a leap of faith and then I would feel my body lifting off the ground or plummeting into the sea below. It happened over and over. And it was exhilarating and terrifying, and it was something that I loved. And still to this day, if you ask me, Grant, if you had one choice, what superhero power would it be? I would say flying, hands down. It's not even that it's the coolest. It's just it's the one that I want more than all of them, right? I've even tried to fly a few times. Anybody else? Any guys in the room? We had this friend named Chad growing up, and he had this 
um, this playhouse, this clubhouse that was built up on stilts. And so it was about 10 or 12 feet in the air by itself, but it was also up on a hill. And so like we're talking 15, 16 feet if you could jump off the top. And so I just had it in my head. The dreams are going to come true. And the wind was blowing really strong one day, and I was like, please, let me borrow some sheets. And we just, I looped them up. Sorry, Mom, I don't know if you know this. I tied them to my belt loops. I grabbed the sheets in my hands and made, like, parachute wings. And I waited for the biggest gust, and I would just leap off the top of this playhouse. And 100% of the time, I fell straight to the ground, right? (laughs) My dreams were dashed. It never worked. And here's my point. No matter how many dreams I had and how many attempts I made, I never flew because I'm not a bird. Everybody in agreement? I'm not a bird. (laughs) I was born a human to uh, human parents in York County, South Carolina, in Rock Hill, to Jane and Richard Collins. I was born their son. I wanted to be a bird with wings, but alas, I'm just a human. How many of you have ever read the scriptures and said to yourself, this seems impossible? Anybody? You get into the scriptures and you look at what Jesus is commanding and he's saying things like, love your enemies. Not ever sit right with you. Die to yourself. Take up your cross. If you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross to do it. Turn the other cheek when someone slaps you. Don't fight for your rights. Submit to others. Lay down everything to come and follow me. Delight yourself in the Lord. Wait patiently. Everybody hear that? (laughs) Anybody good at that yet? Honor your father and mother. Don't take vengeance, but show mercy. You guys, are you on the same page with me? When I read those things, I come back and I go, those are great ideas, but they feel wildly impossible. Wildly impossible. How is it I'm supposed to love the person who hates me? How do I muster that up? That's not something I can just conjure. That's not something I can convince myself of. There there is something that must be deeper inside of me that has changed and transitioned where I'm able to walk out what I'm incapable of apart from the Spirit. It's as though God demands that we know how to fly when we don't have wings. We're just like kids jumping off of clubhouses with sheets hoping that we'll like catch a draft. In John chapter 3, Jesus says, you were made to see and enter and live as part of the kingdom of God and a kingdom that is not of this world. He said, I've created you not just to eke out 80 years on this earth, uh, building a nest egg for retirement and increasing your work portfolio and gaining all the good stuff that the world says are important, but I have created you to experience and perceive and to be a part of my eternal everlasting kingdom. And I don't want to wait until you die. I'm going to start right now by bringing heaven to earth beginning in you. This is the reality that Jesus holds out to us. Not heaven one day, but heaven that comes today. And it keeps coming until heaven himself walks in. Are you with me? It's this invitation for us to walk so differently and understand life so differently that we can't help but to see it that way from here on out. And just like I can't participate in flight because I'm not a bird, none of us can see or understand or experience the kingdom of God unless they are born again of the Spirit. Without your life being led by and filled by and born of the Spirit, you can never understand or embrace God's kingdom. Now, I can try, and I've tried a lot. I can leap off 10-foot playhouses or jump from one roof to another to mimic flight, but I can't fly. You can come to church and pretend to be different. You can walk around and pretend that things have changed. You can talk the talk, but still live enslaved to temptation and sin, still filled with bitterness and rage and anger, still live far away from God. Why? Because you're not born of the Spirit. Like we can put on the face, right? Hashtag cultural Christianity. Bible Belt Southern Christianity, right? Everybody can talk the talk for a minute. But watch your life. Watch somebody's life when they're going through the pit, when they're being challenged. Watch somebody's life when they're stressed out. Who belongs to Jesus when you're really being squeezed? It becomes very evident at that moment. 
We don't fault a human being for not being a bird. So if you're in here this morning and you're like, hold on, some of that description sounds familiar. Look, there is no fault in that. And so if you're here today and you feel like you're still dominated by sin and you're like pretending or doing your best just to do it in your own strength, right? Best case scenario. I just want you to hear me. You're welcome here. There's, there's, no, there's no judgment. We're not throwing guilt at you. But I do want to invite you into a bigger and deeper reality than just fighting to fly wingless. That is not God's purpose and his intention for your life. And if you're in here and you, like me, have the tendency, like I grew up feeling very devoted to the way of God, but doing it in my own strength. I call that cultural Christianity. If you're a cultural Christian that goes to church and tries to do good things, but you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, you're trying to follow him in your own strength, but you just want to do it when it's convenient, when it's simple, can I just invite you to step out of the shadows of that miserable way of living into the light of God's strength and transforming power? Can we do that this morning? Is everybody okay? All right. If you're a guest with us, we, we're a little intense sometimes. And by we, I mean me. It's okay. Friends, God hasn't created you to live in frustration. He's created you to fly. Are you with me? Jeremiah chapter 12 is one of my favorite passages. Jeremiah is complaining to God. He's saying, God, why do you always bless the wicked? Why is it that you always show up for people who don't care? How come it's so easy for them and so difficult for us? And how many of you know that when God responds to your question with a question, you're in trouble? Everybody? And God just simply responds by saying, Jeremiah, if you have run out of strength racing on foot with men, then how will you ever race against horses? What's the point? God's calling us to do things that we're incapable of in our own strength. Why do you think he puts the spirit of God inside of you? Why not just keep Jesus around talking to you on the outside? Anybody think about that? If Jesus is eternal. He could just hang out. Why not? Because he, he, wants, he wants residence inside of you. He wants to lead your life in such a way that he transforms the way that you see and think and feel, and he changes the way that you live. He's created you to fly. See, the problem is not that you're trying, uh, that you're not trying hard enough. The problem is that you're dead pretending to be alive. The thing about cultural Christianity is it teaches us that if we fail, try harder. And some of us have tried ourselves into the grave. And it has revealed what's been broken all along is that you're not capable. You're dead. The passage tells us very plain in Ephesians 2, we'll read it in just a minute, that you and I are dead. And so can I just give you some great news? Like none of the religious routines are going to work. You can just stop. That's not going to get you to God or make him happy with you. It really does come by his grace and his work in you. Adding religious routines to dead, corrupt lives is like perfuming a dead pig. Can you imagine this morning? There's like a 300-pound dead hog in the middle of the room right here. And it smells really bad. And instead of us dragging it out and burying it, we go, we should just spray it. You know, like, <laughs> just hit it with some of that Chanel number five. <laughs> How ridiculous would that be? How ridiculous would it be if we just left a rotting animal in our house and just continued to, like, perfume it? It's dead. Bury that sucker. It's gone. And for many of us, we live our lives trying to just perfume old things that will not bring life or transformation or change. And then we wonder, why am I so frustrated and why does this not work? And why do I not feel God's grace on my life when I'm trying to push with all my might? It's because he likes to start it with a gift. It starts with the verdict, you're dead. The verdict is you're dead, but God wants to make you alive. This is what we celebrated last week in water baptism when Damon and Corey and Robert were baptized. We weren't celebrating decent men getting better or good men becoming great. We were celebrating dead men who were made alive in Christ. Are you with me? Not incremental shifts, divine change in us. What is it that God wants to do in our lives? He wants to raise us from the dead. He wants to take that thing that cannot satisfy, cannot work, will not function, and he wants to fill it with the spirit of almighty God and 
reanimate you and reorient you and wake you up and set you on purpose. Does anybody want that? You're, you're wildly quiet for me talking about raising dead people up. If a dead person got up on this front row this morning, something different would happen in this room. You would freak out. You'd be flipping chairs. People would be scared to death, right? Like everywhere Jesus goes, people are either terrified or excited. There's no middle ground. They're either saying, please come stay with us or please leave our city. It's one or the other. They're never like golf clapping Jesus. Like, well done, Jesus. You know, <laughs> that was such a good miracle when you raised that man from the dead. When you spoke life into a dead body, you are the living embodiment of the miraculous power of Jesus. If you're in Christ, you are proof that God speaks to dead men and women and he raises them up in life. And many of you know in this room that you're walking among people who have been raised to life, but you're still dead. Just trying, working so hard, trying to please God. And God says, I'd like to start the process for you, but it's going to begin at a very different place. Not you trying to perfume, but you getting in the grave, recognizing that thing has been dead all along. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Listen to that. Listen to the finality of that. If you're coming to Christ and you think, I have something to offer the kingdom, I got terrible news for you. You do not. You're like, but I'm really, really smart and I've got great ideas. Who cares? You're dead. <laughs> you don't have anything that can benefit anybody when you're dead. He says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Listen to that. He says that those who are disobedient, there is a spiritual power at work in them. I don't like that. Does anybody else not like that? Because it's too black and white. I like the gray space where things in the world can just be kind of okay. Like, not a big deal. People just can kind of say no to the Spirit of Christ, and it's not a big deal. This says very plainly that the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that Satan himself, the accuser, that he is actually spiritually at work in those who are living in disobedience to what the Scriptures say and what Jesus holds out. And, and that's what's at work in us when we have been there or are there. It says, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, it's a big but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Listen to that. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, not condemnation or judgment, not hatred or anger, he's not chasing you down to penalize you. He is pursuing you with mercy. He's like, I have failed him too many times. Good news for you. God's rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. And he has made you alive with Christ even when you were dead in your transgressions. It's by grace that you're saved. It's by grace that you're saved. It's his gift, the gift of God given to you freely that saves you. And Jesus says the only way that that happens is to be born again. What a weird metaphor. Why choose that one? Why not like join a club? Right? Something that I can go to and then I can leave. Right? And maybe that's why Jesus uses such extreme terminology. You were dead, you're alive. There is no wondering, right? Like it's one or it's the other. You were born of this world, the DNA of mom and dad, or you were born of the spirit. Very extreme. I'm born again of something that's new? How does this thing work? Right? If you read in your footnotes, most of you, where it says born again, it probably says born from above. Listen to that language. Theologians, this is what they call regeneration, that God, by his Holy Spirit, is changing you from the inside out, from a rebirth. What does it mean to be born from above? It, it means that you and I are living rooted in a reality that is not of this world. We're living rooted in the character and the personality of people who aren't mom and dad. 
Everybody with me? That I'm drawing on something that is bigger and eternal, that God is actually filling me with the spirit and the mission and the purpose and the character of his son, Jesus. I'm, I'm living from that reality. There are all these places in the scripture where people are talking to Jesus, but it's very clear that Jesus has detached himself from the people he's standing with. And he says these things like, I only say what the Father tells me to say, and I only do what I see him doing. What is he modeling for us? He's modeling what it looks like to live completely devoted to this reality of what God is saying and doing despite what's going on in my external circumstances. Does that make sense, everybody? What does it look like to be so rooted in the kingdom of God that I'm participating in what God is saying and telling me to do and what I feel like he's operating doing in my workplace and at home and in our church family. How do we participate in that because we're so rooted there that we can't help but to see here differently? That it changes who I am. It means that I'm drawing all that life and priority and my attitudes from the culture of God. You know, and for some odd reason, we actually believe that we can do both. Isn't that a sad lie? Death and life, right? Birth in this world, birth from above. And for some reason, we want to like pull these things together, stitch them real tight. Like, how about Jesus? If we do like 50% born from above and then like 50% of me acting like a crazy lunatic. How, what if we do that? You can laugh. It's fine. Lighten up. It's, it's fine. It's Father's Day. We think we can do both. We think we can say yes to Jesus and then continue to live like the world. We continue to give priority to worldly things and worldly ways of thinking. And then we continue to like come to church and try our best to like polish things up. But guys, the Bible makes it clear that surrendering to Jesus is the picture of dying to the world and your old way of living and being born with the nature of the spirit. You can't do both. You're born one or the other. You draw your life and character and personality from one or the other. Second Corinthians 5 says it like this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. How many of you are new creations? Like, I found my life in Christ, and I realized that things changed. I'm not just Grant plus some Jesus. It is Grant died, and now Jesus is living through me. Are you with me? It's a brand new picture. And so we have to be very honest. Can I just invite you? Look, the, the bad stuff about, like, church and Sunday mornings in the South is that we can just put on a face. You can just put on a face. You can come in. We can do our... You can do your hour and a half of time on a Sunday morning, if, if that's how you view it. And we can just pretend that things are cool. Can I just invite you to not do that for a second? And actually take an assessment of your real life. Am I addicted to greed and money? Is my life still rooted in sexual encounters and experiences that have nothing to do with my faith? Am I addicted to substances to cope with what's going on in the world around me? Am I trying to earn my way to God through good works? Seriously, can we just take a, a snapshot of our hearts for a moment? Just close your eyes for tw 12 seconds, okay? Just give me like 10 or 12 seconds. Who am I? What, what is rooted in me? Am I a new creation? Is the Holy Spirit working out His life and power in me? Or am I still enslaved and addicted to old ways of thinking and living. Okay, open your eyes. We, we have to come with reality. What we're doing here is dangerous. Are you with me? Those of you who have been with me for like four years, it, can I just see everybody's eyes? If you've been with me for four years, you're in danger. we're in danger of hearing the same things over and over and not doing something with it. It is actually a really terrifying place to be, where we allow our hearts to grow cold and hard to the things of God, because we just hear it a lot. What is taking shape in you today? Jesus says, unless you're born from above, unless this heavenly DNA is, is being rooted in your life, then you can't see the kingdom or enter it. But if you're born of the Spirit, if you are, just like I carry the DNA of Rick and Jane Collins, in the same way in Christ, I have the DNA of the Spirit at work in me. You know, the further I go, the more that people who like 
been around me for life, they say, oh, you look so much like your dad. Like every time I grow a beard, they're like, you look a lot like your dad. Or if I make crazy faces or pick at people, they're like, you, you're like your dad, you know. Because he's a picker and he's a jokester. And, and I, I have that. Or if I'm being very focused on detail and I'm like, look, I understand fine, in a fine-tuned way how this thing needs to work. Somebody says, you're like your mom. Because my mom is the most tender, compassionate, and detailed person. Like she sees it all, right? All of it. Amen? Yes, moms in general, but my mom is Mary Poppins, okay? She looks like Mary Poppins and she is Mary Poppins, okay. <laughs> um, I, I share all these things because I was born of them, right? They, they look at me and they say, oh, you look like your dad. You're, you look like your mom. You're acting like them. I see them. I see their culture on you. I see the way you interact with people and I see Rick and Jane Collins. And I, I just wonder... If we are born of the Spirit, are people bumping into the life of Grant Collins and saying, man, I really see the work of your father? You, you really are starting to look a lot like Jesus. Look, you're starting to smell a lot like your father. You're very winsome, and you're kind, and you're merciful. Do, do people feel that from us? Are we drawing from a different kingdom, or is it just business as usual? Galatians 5.22 says this. It says that the Spirit's way of life is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Listen to that. That's the Spirit's way of life. If you're hanging out with the Holy Spirit, the thing that's going to rub off on you is this. It's his personality. It's exactly what you would experience if you're with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit. For some of us who maybe grew up in environments where we kind of stiff-armed the things of the Spirit... Hear me, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. When he ascended to the right hand of the Father, it says that he received the Holy Spirit and poured him out liberally because he was his. Later on in John, he says, everything that I have, I've given to the Spirit so that he can share with you what belongs to me. We're not talking about some other thing. We're talking about the presence and the power and the person of Christ through the Spirit dwelling inside of us. How do I know if I'm born of the Spirit. I'm growing to look more like Him. And so I want to illustrate in three ways um, quickly how the Holy Spirit helps us. And I want to do that through the lens of fatherhood a bit, okay? Um, these are three attributes of the Spirit that I think we see in dads. And I say these every year, so they're literally not new. They're just something that I feel like are really important for us to remember. Uh, first off, dads give us identity. Secondly, dads ensure that we have an inheritance. And thirdly, dads protect us. The Holy Spirit gives us a new identity. How many of you could deal with a brand new identity? Anybody? Now, I never partied in high school. I was terrified of all things that led to like being out of control. Okay? So that's pretty much my personality in a nutshell. You didn't have to worry about those kinds of things. You're going to have to worry about like legalism and stuff like that. All right? So that's, what the, that's how the Lord has worked in this life. Um, but, you know, in high school, all my buddies started to get, like, fake IDs. They wanted a brand new identification because they have, it gave them permission to do things that they were incapable of doing before. None of you were guilty of that. I'm sure none of you in here has had a fake ID before. We'll have a confession box up front right at the end. Um, but the Holy Spirit gives us a brand new identity. And, and here's what's important. When we come into the kingdom, we come as newborns um, um, and when we, I'm sorry, and we may know who we are in the world, but when we come in Christ, the Spirit actually seals this new identity. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Listen to that. Not only are you born of the Spirit, you are known as a child of God. A child of God. I have great parents, really. Zero complaints in my, in my life but I'm a child of God. You hear me? If, if they were terrible, I'm a child of God. If they went away or just disliked me or disowned me, don't do that. I'm a child of God, right? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received, hear me, doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear, but rather the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. 
And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You have a new identity in Christ. Through being born of the Spirit, you are brand new. When God looks at you, when people interact with you, I'm interacting with a different human. I love going and asking people's testimonies, and I love it even more when I get like the real stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because you start to think you're a different human. Some of you are different humans in here. Like I, I know who you were, and I know who you are, and those two people are not the same person, right? Part of Damon's testimony last week, like two years clean from drug use. Different human being. Are you guys with me? This is the stuff of the kingdom and the gospel. Like brand new people. Casey McQuinn is a different human. I wish you could see Casey 10 years ago. I wish. <laughs> it would give it clear up so much. <laughs> He's a new human. My wife is a new human. She's a new human being. She's not even the same person. It's not like she got nicer. You know what I mean? Like that's not Christianity. Christianity is not like she got a little nicer. No, she was changed from the inside out. She's a different human being. You've been given a new identity. And look at how the Holy Spirit cements your identity in Jesus. Firstly, he brings about your adoption. It's like he carries you to the courthouse where he presents you to the Father and he says, he's yours. When he comes into our lives through faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit stamps us as his own. And when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit descended on him. And what did God declare? This is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. And guess what happens when the Holy Spirit, when you are born of the Spirit, and the Spirit dwells inside of you? It's God's loud declaration over your life. This is my son or my daughter whom I love, and I am so pleased with you. And for some of you, that would be an, a life-altering declaration over you. If you just hear God's voice saying, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I haven't turned my face from you. I choose you. I am proud of you. And it doesn't come by your work or your effort. It comes by the Holy Spirit's residence in you. Secondly, it says, by him, we cry out. So by him, we can call out to God as our dad. That's very familiar, isn't it? How many of you are slightly uncomfortable with calling God dad? Anybody? Okay. How many of you are lying? That's good. All right. I am sometimes, right? I, I call my dad dad. He's there. He's flesh and blood. I can, I can touch him. I can hug him. I can joke around with him. He's dad. He's very familiar. What does the Holy Spirit do? It doesn't say that through him we call out Abba, Father. It says by him. It's actually saying that the Holy Spirit gives us a voice and vocabulary to relate to God in a different way. Are you with me? It's by him that I'm able to call out to God. He actually teaches me how to live as a son. He teaches me with voice and with heart and with nearness what it means to be close to the Father. I don't have to be afraid of punishment any longer. I come and I say, Abba, Daddy, God, the one who hears me and knows me, this is how the Holy Spirit cries out and connects to the Father. And because of the Spirit living in Casey McQuinn, that's how Casey now has access. By him, by the Holy Spirit in him, he can call out and have this kind of intimate connection. For some of you, you didn't have a great connection with your dad. And so the idea of crying out with intimacy and nearness and tenderness like that terrifies you. It terrifies you. And I would be, I think it's safe to say that you don't talk to God like that either. Are you with me? Because most of us spend an entire lifetime trying to wipe the faces of our fathers off of God. And what I want you to hear is that the Holy Spirit teaches me a new operating system, a new way to relate to the Father. Does that make sense? He gives me his language and his relationship with the Father so that when he enters you, Jeremy, when he enters you, he changes the way that you're able to come to him. I'm not afraid. I actually come to him with boldness. It says because of Christ, Ephesians says because of Christ and faith in him, I can come boldly before the throne of God. Boldly. Where I thought I was terrified in the past, I've messed up or I've made mistakes, through Christ, I can rush in. I can uh, <laughs> burst through the door. One of my kids this past week 
burst through the door of my room, <laughs> and Daddy was not dressed, okay? It's a very humbling moment. <laughs> Poor child, scarred for life. In Christ, you can bust through the door with God, and you will not get punished. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a weird metaphor. We'll move on. <laughs> If you're new here, we apologize in advance. Okay. <laughs> we'll pray for inner healing right after this. All right. The Holy Spirit gives you his voice to cry out to the Father, his vocabulary, his relationship. I always thought God was mad. That was my disposition. God's angry and he wants more out of me. And if I push harder, maybe he'll be pleased. Anybody else share that? Like that's, that was my picture of God. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he creates familiarity and nearness that you don't even know what to do with. He starts to pull off all those old walls of how I saw God. This is his work. Finally, he testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He testifies. He agrees with us. The Holy Spirit is a divine amplifier. When your spirit says, no, 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 I, I know I belong to God, the Holy Spirit goes, you belong to God. I don't know, I'm feeling temptation. No, 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 you belong to God. Yeah, but I keep making this mistake. You were purchased with a price. You belong to him. You're a son of the Most High. What is the Holy Spirit's work? He testifies in agreement. He amplifies the voice of the Father over my life, and he testifies with my spirit that I do, I belong. For some of you this morning, you, you need the residence of the Spirit of your life because you feel demonized and you feel like, I can't get past these things. And the, the Holy Spirit comes as a champion to give voice to the Son, to the Father, but also He gives voice to the Father in you to champion all the darkness and hellish stuff out of your life and to continue to put His identity in you. And this is who He is. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to do this. The second point, the Holy Spirit ensures we have an inheritance. He is the deposit that guarantees what we have to come. You're only tasting a drop in the bucket of what heaven and God has to offer when you experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit today. A drop in the bucket. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit protects us. Just like the role of a father is to protect their kids, so the Holy Spirit wars to protect you from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, firstly, the Holy Spirit battles your flesh. Anybody need somebody to help you battle your flesh? I need like, a, like an army, like a battalion with bazookas. You know what I'm saying? I need reinforcements. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Listen to this. They are at war with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you were led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which just means like getting wasted and partying. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Nobody struggles with that in here. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, listen to the language, will not inherit the kingdom. Listen to that. He's saying those things don't illustrate being born of the Spirit. That, that's the wrong kind of fruit. Verse 22, but, and we read it already, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against those, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Friends, why be born of the Spirit? Why surrender my life to Christ? Because God battles for you from the inside out. He actually battles your flesh. The Holy Spirit is at war in you to deliver you from anything that will keep you from His kingdom. Doesn't that sound like good news? Christianity is not about us mustering our own strength and energy to be done with the old life. It's about being armed with God in you who gives you strength to overcome. You are not alone. This isn't about you just overcoming something bigger than you by yourself. You are not alone. 
Hear me, you are not alone. This week, some of you may face some very real obstacles and challenges. You are not alone. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit himself is inside of you. He has already sealed your adoption. He has marked you. He has fought for you. And he is going to protect you because he fights against your flesh. Romans 8, 5, just to put an exclamation point. Those who uh, live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind is governed, the mind, um, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God, nor can it do so, because those who are in the realm of the flesh can't not please God. But you are not in the realm of the flesh, you're in the realm of the spirit. Hear it. You're not in the realm of the flesh, you're in the realm of the spirit. And finally, how does God protect us? He convicts us of sin. You must be thinking, Grant, that doesn't sound a whole lot like protection. It absolutely is. It's absolutely the protection of God. How many of you parents in here know that when your kid is running toward a busy street and you say, don't do that? That's protection. The work of the Holy Spirit is not only that he comes to help me battle my own flesh, but he also keeps me from things externally that are going to come to hurt me. He creates a sensitivity to sin and a fear of the Lord that causes us to flee from sinful things. It's his protection to keep us away from death. Are you with me? Well, one of the works that happens before Christ is we grow desensitized to our sin. I remember growing up, my mom, we would talk about specific things where I saw sin destroying people's lives. And she would say, do not ever let that, um, how did you say it, mom? Don't ever let that um, not bother you. Don't ever get to the place where that sin doesn't bother you. I took note of that. Because every one of us, we, we come to the place where we so tolerate and invite sin that it no longer bugs us. And then one day, it's like the Holy Spirit wakes us up and we go, I don't realize how I got so far off. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That slippery slope is just a progression away from what is life. The Holy Spirit wakes us up. John 16 says, it's for your good that I'm going away. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. It is good that I go away because unless I leave, the counselor won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The conviction of the Spirit, the voice of God in you that says, stop doing that. Don't do that. That is not him condemning us and pushing us away from him. That is him pulling us toward him and saying, hey, I'm trying to tell you, this is dangerous. That, that relationship you keep tolerating that continues to compromise and cross over boundaries that it shouldn't, and you continue to give more and more space to it, stop doing that. It's leading somewhere. If you've got a propensity towards addiction and you're just kind of toying with little things, the drinking a little bit here, a little bit, a little bit like cigarette here, some marijuana, and you're just slowly kind of making it seem like it's not a big deal, stop it. That's, that's going somewhere. It's leading to death. But wake up. Open your eyes. The conviction of the Spirit is God's affection and his commitment to lead you into freedom. He's not condemning. He's not stiff-arming you. He's pulling you in and saying, that can't stay. Why? Because you are in the Father's house. Those things shouldn't have any hold on your life anymore. The Holy Spirit changes us. So how do we respond to this? This morning, very simply, if you've not been born of the Spirit, as we're talking about this, I realize it's kind of ethereal language, right? It almost sounds poetic, being born of the Spirit. But if you know that you're still a slave and you haven't been born from heaven, that God's not actually changed your life in that way, if you haven't surrendered to Jesus, then today is your day. Today's the day. How do I respond to this? I surrender. I give my life to Jesus. I surrender everything I have because going to church doesn't make you a son or a daughter of God. Right? God's inviting you to come. He's inviting you to come. Surrender your life to him. Let the spirit give birth to a brand new person and a brand new identity. And if you've been ignoring, ignoring the work of the spirit in you, maybe today is just you coming to confess and repent and surrender your life to his leadership. 
You know, it talks about us actually like shutting the Holy Spirit down. Um, I can't think of the word. Quenching the Spirit. Thank you. Quenching the Spirit. It's like I put the, the fire out on a candle. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes and he says, hey, careful. And you go, not now. Not now. I like this too much. This feels good. This is what I want. And if we do that over time, the Holy Spirit stops talking. He goes, okay. You have it your way. And your way always leads to one thing. Death. Right? Desire gives birth to sin. Sin gives birth to death. That's what James says. And every single one of us does this. There's not a one of us in here who has not fallen into that trap in some way in the past. Can I encourage you today? For some of you, you have shut out the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life because you enjoy the thing that you're doing or you just don't want him to speak into it. And he's inviting you today to come, repent, confess it to a brother or sister, and let him begin to shine light on your life again. Is everybody with me? And so we're going to do this. We're just going to play some background music. And I, I want to close in prayer. I want to give you an opportunity. For those of you who've got plans, you need to go, go. But please don't go bound up. If you've got some stuff going on, take 10 or 15 minutes and then, and then leave. And we're going to have some people to just be here and to pray with you. Um, but can I invite you to do that? Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then I just want to invite you to come. Some of you today, today is your day like the Lord is securing your life. He wants to cement his identity in you. Um, and for some of you, it's just coming back and saying, Lord, I've, I've quenched you. I silenced your voice in my life, and I'm asking you to come forgive me. Speak again. So Father, we do. We just invite every person in this house, Lord. I, I feel your invitation this morning in such a strong way that you want to break off everything in our lives, Lord, that has limited the kingdom, the, the movement of the kingdom in us. And so, Lord, we today, we come and we confess those things, places where we've tried to live in your house but do things our way. Father, I thank you for your mercy, but I ask you now, Lord, that you would allow the truth to rise and that you would convict our hearts of sin because we know it's your protection, Lord. You've brought us into your kingdom. You've given birth to us, Lord. And so we ask you to come. We surrender, Lord. If you're in here this morning and you have just not surrendered your life to Christ, I want to ask you to just come. Come and surrender. There's nothing special about it. You just come and stand here. Somebody's going to pray for you.